welcome to That's Debatable, the weekly news podcast of the Free Speech Union. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, struggling in this heat, Ben. It's astonishingly hot um, in London at the moment, but uh, quite excited about our podcast today. We're celebrating Pride in our own way uh, because uh, earlier this year, it was reported that a councillor and former mayor had been placed under investigation after she'd objected to the prevalence of pride flags in her town, arguing not unreasonably that sex is for the bedroom and private life. And her party, the Conservative Party, suspended her from the party group on the council. And following an investigation, she was advised to attend a quality and emotional intelligence training by the monitoring officer and invited to apologise. Well, we're delighted to have Andrea Kamartin with us today to hear her side of the story. Thank you very much. Andrea, it's great to have you with us. And um, I'm particularly interested in the story of what of what happened to you and, and the fallout of everything that happened. But shall we start at the beginning and, and in your own words, tell us what happened to you and 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 up to where we are today? Well, thank you very much. I'll try my best to remember it step by step, um, because it was quite a while ago now. It was it was early May. And I'd gone onto Facebook just checking out the Whitton page sites and found um, a complaint going on by a man who turned out to be a barber um, who said that he was fed up with his pride flags being egged. And this was the fifth time and they'd been egged and they hadn't caught anybody. And he was thinking of going and buying a large number of flags and going around the town and getting the shopkeepers to put up all the flags. That hit a button with me. The thought of my town, High Street, and happens to be my ward also, being hung with pride flags was just too much to bear. So I replied and said exactly that, that I don't want any pride sex flags running down my high street and sex is for the bedroom, um, whatever sort of sex you want. But that was that. Well, the room went purple. The sky fell in. Every newspaper ever invented had a go at me. and. I just have to stop this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and um, every newspaper. And then I get on the television and Nigel Farage, I'm finding, is talking about me. And Dan Wooten invites me on. And then I get a message eventually from Braintree District Council chairman saying how appalled he was that I'd done this and that I had to be more careful and that it would be put to the monitoring officer as well, had I gone against the code of conduct. They would take 21 days to deliver a reply to me. So up comes the 21 days, wherein the monitoring officer declares that I have indeed breached the code of conduct, and therefore I was subject to certain punishments. Um, it would be informal, mind you, and I had already resigned from the Conservative Party because I was retiring from the political scenes here because I'd done enough already with basically 16 years. It was time to stop. And so all of that 
came together and I was told that, if I'm remembering rightly, I was told that what you've just said, Tom, that I would have to apologise to these pride people and I would have to undergo emotional training. I sound like Dame Edna Everidge on here now. <laughs> undergo emotional training and read something or else or other. So the town council nodded into this scenario and the town council said that you will have to do this. And I looked at them and walked off. I am not ready at my age to undergo any kind of emotional training, having lived a long life. <laughs> and neither was I going to apologise to the expletive pride people locally. <laughs> and so I did absolutely be all. What, 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 was, what was happening with the pride flags? And while all of this was happening, Angela, what, were the pride flags being put up in the town? Or, no, no, or no. Was it just a discussion about that, them? No. I think what happened was that the pride people locally got very cold feet with all this outpouring of rage against them. And not one flag appeared anywhere. Not one. There was in the said barber's shop some kind of painted number inside the shop. Fine. Nothing flying anywhere. It's the concept of flying flags that got to me. So no flag flew. Comes the month of June. And would you believe the monitor, the civic officer who is the town clerk in Whittam, decided to fly a pride flag from the town hall um, flag post. Well, not liked by the majority of the population. And as of very recently, it appears to have been furled. You can't tell what this flag is anymore. It's tightly furled and, and linked onto the windowsill somehow. So it's not actually flying free. So I think that the, mon that, that, that the civic officer has listened and done what she can to appease both sides. But I haven't gone and seen it today, so I don't know if the wind has unfurled it or whatever. In terms of the sort of the free speech elements of this, Angela, you, 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 you were it was both the Conservative Association uh, that suspended you, and then of course this the monitoring officer of the officer of the town council following a, an investigation um and then insisted you have this emotional intelligence training so you know, from a free free speech angle every kind of organization that you were a part of was saying you didn't have the right to your view on this on this pride flag um, you are quite correct but when i found all this the free speech angle of it had never occurred to me I've made my point on Facebook and got fabulous responses. So I got all my free speech. I got a load more free speech than I actually ever thought I could possibly get. But but that was because you were willing to um, to go all the way, Angela, in terms of you were willing to, to, to lose your uh, membership of the Conservative Party. You were willing to to lose your membership of the council for for other people. They might they might not feel able to do that is that is that a difference with you Angela or am I putting words in your mouth there well my 
claim really to all of this was that I was not going to be a counsellor shortly anyway. Mm. It was only three weeks to when I stopped being a counsellor. And so I took it from all of that, that whatever they wanted to do to me eventually couldn't be done. And it couldn't. It really couldn't. There was no time. But I had already, um, as I've just said a while ago, stopped my conservative ticket um, because I was not going to be a counsellor anymore. Why should I keep pouring as an old age pensioner money into a political party when I could just all I need to do is go out and vote for it at the appropriate moment. Why should I keep sponsoring with my hard-earned money? So I'd already so, taken that decision a year ago to stop that. So you you had free speech in, in many ways, Angela, because you were willing to, to give up on that membership and you're willing to. Of course, the thing we find when Ben and I work with other people in the FSU is that they're you know at a different stage of their careers or, or whatever and and they just can't do that and it stifles them it stifles them it stops them from speaking um absolutely right you're absolutely right and um there are all sorts of benefits to getting old and one of them is to be able to say your mind on practically any subject and people think silly or fool but if if you're young bloods like you both are, you do have to be a lot more careful what you say. I don't care what I say. They can stick me in prison for all I want. Yeah. Well, we're, we're lucky was, enough because we work for the Free Speech Union, Angela. So we, we, we <laughs> Toby rarely, rarely uh, slapped us over the wrist for what we what we we're, say. Although it's not safe, unknown. <laughs> but I was quite prepared to go to prison. I would have quite liked that because the more fuss is made about you, the more publicity you get. Andrew, what's just absolutely shocking about the, the case, aside from any other aspect of this, is that you weren't a Liberal Democrat councillor or a Green councillor. You were a Conservative councillor, suspended by the Conservative Party. I mean, it, it just fills you with, with despair as, a, as an ordinary punter, an ordinary voter, uh, to think that the Conservative Party would treat one of its elected politicians like that. And, the, and the, even on this incredibly divisive issue, you basically, I mean, you were told you've got to toe the line on this. We celebrate all of the Equality Act protected characteristics and you're not allowed to criticise this flag and the flying of it and all the rest of it. It just fills me with absolute horror. Well, it's quite clear. It is made quite clear to us um, from the minute we sign up um, as a prospective candidate anywhere, that we do have to watch our P's and Q's. And I've watched my P's and Q's for eight years, um, 16 altogether, eight years on town and eight years on district. I've been mayor once, um, district chairman for two years, um, plus deputies and chaired various committees. And of course, I've been very careful what I say, but who cares now? I don't care. This is wonderful. Also, something I'd been going to tell you a little earlier, that when I talked to a few of the town shops, several of them had said that they had people from Pride come to speak to them. You might want to call it coercive behaviour. You might just want to call it a conversation. But these shopkeepers had been spoken to by the pride people and I don't like that at all this is venturing into the world of the mafia sort of underhand getting people on site and just just to 
pick up on some of what, what you said there, Andrew. What would your view be if we rolled the clock back to 1990 or 2000, say, before uh, we had civil partnerships, before we had uh, lesbian and gay rights in terms of just how you live your life being equal? What, what's your view on on that? It's, I'm trying to like distinguish here between what are the free speech issues, uh, at, at, you know, in terms of you can say what you like and you can think what you like. Um, versus your view on on if we rolled the clock back, would you still sort of be opposed to everything in that situation? No, I'm not opposed to any of it. They can yeah. do, as I've said several times, it's their life and they do what they do with it. Of course it's their life. They get on with it. Um, it's, from my point of view, I took massive exception to the flying of flags on the high street. Right. If they want to fly a flag out of their bedroom window, that's their bedroom window. No problem. If they want to behave as they behave, that's their right. We all have a right. We have a right in the bedroom as well as we have a right to say what we think, or we should have a right to say what we think. There was a video circulating on, on social media earlier this week of, I think it was in Regent Street, and uh, there were dozens of Pride flags, row after row of pride flags, um, and one single union flag still hanging with uh, workmen taking it down. And somebody shouted up at them, don't you know you're taking the wrong effing flag down? And the workman replied, well, don't you think we know that? And then the, the union flag is taken down and it, it's not done in a very ceremonious or respectful way. It just flutters down and falls on the ground and they erect yet another pride flag. Dozens of. What do you think your story says about the state of the Conservative Party, Andrew? That that's the that's the point um, that that I think I say I'm particularly interested in because we had an event a couple of weeks ago with an academic called uh, Matt Goodwin, who uh, gave a very powerful, very persuasive speech in which he basically, I think it's fair to say, denounced the Conservative Party and said it wasn't it wasn't equipped to fight back against uh, the, the woke cultural onslaught that we're all grappling with in our own way. Um, so he was very critical about the Conservative Party. And when I see stories like yours, and you're not the only person the Free Speech Union uh, has helped or, or has been in contact with, uh, who's been you know, kicked off a candidate's list or censured in some way by the Conservative Party or expelled as a member because of their socially conservative belief. Is, is there any optimism in your mind that the Conservative Party will be equipped to defend your right to freedom of expression? Two answers. One, the Conservative Party is a political party, and so maybe the answer is no. But the British people are, I think, overwhelmingly conservative in the way they live and what they want. And therefore, they ought to be able to have their voice like I did at the town council on Monday. I had my voice. And I think our elections are so very precious. That is when we do go and we have our right to say what we want to say with a tick on a box. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. I I, I, I don't think there's, there's not a single part of my body, Andrea, that thinks you need training of any kind. Um, I think you've made your case with, with great force and eloquence. And I'm sure many, many listeners, many of our listeners will have greatly enjoyed what, you, what you've had to say. So thank you again. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Much. Let me let me say it. Nobody is going to train me. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, no doubt. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you very listening. much. So, Tom, I was on a panel with Toby a month or two ago, and one of the things he did that I didn't expect was to uh, quite ruthlessly play devil's advocate with me, um, which I'd now like to do with you. I thought it was quite a fun tactic. So oh, no. to, to, to flip the argument on its head that, that we've just been discussing with Andrea, is there an argument that a local council, truly elected by its constituents, albeit you know lots of people don't vote in local elections, um, that it can, in an entirely proper way, decide to fly the pride flag in public places from council buildings and that that is a reasonable act of free expression, that that's a completely legitimate thing for a council to do? I think that's a great question. Um, and I like the way you put it. I think um, the council has to work out what it's for and what it represents. And to my mind, the idea of of putting up a pride flag, uh, even if it's through a legitimate democratic process, the idea of putting up a, a pride flag is in essence saying that there is a group of our constituents, there's a group of our uh, of the electorate who need their voices amplified um, in a way that other people in our electorate are not. And I think this is, gets the heart of the sneakiness of some of the, the cultural uh, problems that we have at the moment is that everyone says our, our voice needs to be amplified, you, you know, whether it's the, the transgender uh, constituency or whether it's a particular religious constituency it's very easy then to jump onto uh, a bandwagon and say our voice needs to be amplified over and above others and it gets into this complete muddle very very quickly of well actually you've you've already picked a group over another group and I think it is therefore for those reasons it may it may go through a democratic process. It may it may feel like oh yeah this is this is free speech. It it opens the door to complete muddledness and uh, confused thinking. As we said before, my personal view is that there should be two flags that fly. There should be the union flag and there should be well the union flag or or the uh, nation's flag if you're in England, Scotland, Wales, wherever. Um, and the royal standard. I, I, I don't see why civic buildings in a liberal democracy would want to fly even the Ukrainian flag. You know, who's to say that in, in two, three, four years, the Ukrainians might no longer be the allies that they are today. Um, we don't know what happens with geopolitics. And, and so I think in a very roundabout way, those are my thoughts that probably not. Ben, uh, does that sound reasonable to you or, or am I completely unreasonable? Well, I was going to try and continue playing devil's advocate by saying, well, oh, Tom, no. it's, it's just for one month a year. What possible difference could it make? But I can't say that with a straight face because, of course, pride lasts for one month. But as we talked about, I think, last month, um, there there is an endless liturgical calendar for LGBTQIA plus awareness days. Uh, so, it, in fact, it's not just for the month of June. It, go, it, goes, uh, it goes year round. Um, so I think I've stopped playing devil's advocate now, Tom. I'm not. I'm not sure I, c- I can continue with my with my previous sign of questioning with a straight face. There we are. Um, well, and, and and your point about Pride Month, you know, I I um 
my birthday is at the beginning of August and uh, a lot of my friends are probably going to be at Brighton Pride, which uh, is meant to be part of Pride Month, but it's in August. So I get completely confused. Brighton Pride has been moved from June to well, I don't know when it was a few years ago. But um, yeah, like we said, it's impossible to it's impossible to miss, um, uh, uh, um, you know, clashing with Pride in some way. Remember the Kathleen Stock original, what part of the original complaint was, it's on the eve of Pride. So Pride's Eve now is like, it's like Christmas Eve, just before Pride. And now we've got Brighton Pride is, is well after Pride Month. So it's just kind of eking out um, in every direction. <laughs> One of the things that occurs to me is that in Britain, there is, I think, a, or has been a fairly well-developed sense of what you might call political secularism, i.e. the idea that some public places are neutral. So that might be, uh, you know, the council building, or it might be a football match, or it might be a classroom or a uh, doctor's surgery or whatever, that there are, there are parts of our national life, parts of our constitution, like the monarchy, the civil service, that are politically neutral. And as we saw in the case of Anna Thomas, the civil servant who we assisted to win a six-figure uh, settlement, that sense of political secularism has has collapsed or is being very seriously eroded because people no longer see that it's that it is obviously improper to hijack a civic building to push a particular philosophical view. And and I think I would find it just as objectionable to fly a Conservative Party logo from a civic building as I would the pride flag or a Greenpeace flag or whatever else. Um, mm. it, it just seems to me an obviously inappropriate thing to do. Um, but lots of people, lots of, of, of the new elite certainly don't see pride particularly as being politically contentious because they think, well, you know, everyone I know agrees with it. So what's the problem? It's signs and symbols um, everywhere that, that, that are being changed and which are so important Um and and they're being sort of somewhat schizophrenically. On the one hand, everyone's saying, "Oh, don't worry, it's just a flag. Don't worry, it's just this symbol or it's that sign." On the one hand, on the other hand, you say, "Well, actually, if it's such a small thing, uh, I'll, I'd like to opt out, please, because you're saying it's a small thing. It's only a flag. It's only it's only a, a symbol for now. But if you decide you're going to opt out, then the the balloon goes up. So there's there's sort of two two very contradictory ideas held in tension that it's only a small thing. So why are you worrying about it? And you say, OK, well, if it's only a small thing, I'm not going to worry about it. Oh, no, no, no. You have to you have to participate. Uh, you have to, you know, play play the game. And, and again, that that the, the, the sort of taking of our signs and symbols is is something that I it's one element of this sort of politicization of everything. And it all started, Ben, with we don't want to discriminate. You know, we all <laughs> all of this started with we don't want to discriminate against different groups. And for some reason, it's gone down this track now. If we have to celebrate, we have to participate. Um, and by the way, that isn't a political decision anymore. It seems it seems very odd to me. I've been uh, 
invoking Matt Goodwin quite a lot since he he spoke a couple of weeks ago. We heard him speak. And I come back to his definition of woke, which is a pseudo-religious belief system which is organised around the sacralization of of racial, sexual and gender minorities. So that's the first part of his definition of woke. And I think that that's what we see. It, it's the making uh, sacred of of these particular identity groups and the the prioritising or privileging of those particular groups above all others. Um, which is a process that you can trace all the way back to uh, the Equality Act, certainly in, in 2010, passed at the end of the of the new Labour government. Um, and we, we we seem to be stuck in this in this rut where where people are not individuals anymore; they are members of groups, and that, that is how the state interacts with them. And and that kind of that kind of debate. Um, uh, was going on very prominently in the 2000s about the interactions between the state and Muslim minority groups um, and the the problem of, of the state dealing with quote-unquote community leaders who are these sort of self-appointed religious figures who, you know, hangers on at a mosque or whatever or heads of local charities and, and so on who would sort of appoint themselves to be the spokesman and it was always the spokesman um, mm. for, for their local community. And it, it took a long time but, but there was ultimately a realization that it was not an appropriate thing for the state to do um, to to interact with Muslim subjects of the British Crown or citizens, if you insist on using the word citizens, um, th- via the the uh, you know the mediation of these community leaders. Um, but we seem to have got to the point now where we've forgotten that we learned that, and now the state is engaging with almost everybody via the medium of their community leader. And so that that's why you have the Stonewall Diversity Champion scheme running rampant yeah. through the civil service and government departments. Um, because that's how the state has decided it has to interact with gay people, not as individuals with their own yeah. wishes and requirements and, and concerns just like everybody else, um, but as members of a of a sacred community. We, we've, we've lost the art of statecraft and we're relearning the art of witchcraft. It seems it seems that uh, you're right. The first the first wave, we, we the state, our, our our memory, our collective memory of how a state should operate, how a liberal democracy should operate, prevailed. Um, but the second attack, because it's come with this sort of religiosity attached to it, it's an orthodoxy. If you don't believe it, you're a heretic. Uh, it's no it's statecraft has been totally redefined and we are very much coming back to um uh you know uh it's a bit like the 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 inquisition the spanish inquisition and i don't know about you ben but in 2010 i didn't expect the spanish inquisition uh by the time no. we got to 2023 um, no, and you you've, we, we've made this point many times before i'm sure but you'd be absolutely ridiculed and laughed at if if say during the debate about same-sex marriage in 2012 2013 if you'd said that that streets in central London would be adorned by rows of dozens of identical LGBTQIA plus pride flags. Um, and that th- this would look, I mean, it looks like a conquered city. I mean, it, it looks absolutely ludicrous. And it has this sort of, um, this faintly oppressive air to it, which is very difficult to um, to interrogate or, or, or push back against. But you'd have been dismissed as a fantasist, as a, as a you know, far right, yeah. bigoted, whatever um and yet here we are 
Well, um, Ben, you missed the opportunity there to say, well, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition, but Sorry. Perhaps, your, perhaps your Monty Python isn't. <laughs> but I think there is a there is hope here. The uh, the little clip that you mentioned and that we discussed briefly with Angela um, of of the the pride flag going up and the Union Jack coming down. Uh, there is hope that the workers doing that uh, are saying amongst themselves they're not comfortable with it. It doesn't sit well with them. Uh, they don't quite put it in the in that language, but you know it, it it is it's helpful for all of us to see that there is a groundswell of thinking and sanity in the country that says, well, you know what, we, this has happened without our consent. And our voice has been taken away at the same time. So not only has it been taken away without our consent, but we're not allowed to dissent. So uh, there's hope that um, people think, oh, well, you know, we are where we are and there's nothing anyone can do. But when when most folks are opposed to it, um, then, you know, there's there's hope there, I think. Well, I'll leave you with uh, with a line of uh, 1984, which is a. (laughs) <laughs> four or five lines from that book are quoted and printed on t-shirts and you see them on twitter every day so ad nauseum um but one that really stayed with me was the scene where uh, the main character winston smith is in a market and he's observing um uh, a dispute of a fight over something very trivial um and he says if there is hope it lies with the proles um and not a not a word I, i'd use but i think the the meaning is something that that resonates. And when you see that clip of working class Londoners being made to take down their national flag um, and put mm-hmm. up this wholly alien, um, you know, as I said, oppressive looking uh, design, um, and you can see how strongly they feel about it. I think yeah. there is hope, actually, that, that the British public, overwhelmingly tolerant and accepting of, of gay relationships, but nonetheless resistant to this unwanted cultural change, the imposition of, of, um, uh, of pride in every sector of, of national life. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think there is hope that actually people will be able to reasonably um, push back, that people will be able to find their voice, as Angela was describing, you know, go to your local council meeting, write to your local newspaper um, and, and just say, look, well, I've, I've got no problem with with same-sex relationships, I, that that's not the issue. That is categorically not the issue. The issue is the taking down of of the national flag, and you know it's it's very distressing seeing the union flag just you know, landing on a on a road um, yeah. in the dust. Um, yeah. And I don't want to get all American about it, Tom, but people have, have fought and died and bled for that flag, and oh, see yeah. it treated in such a, a disrespectful way. I think is something that many people would find upsetting. Um, so yeah. I think there is hope. I think people clearly are um, cross. They just yeah. need to find an effective way of channeling that energy. Yeah, totally agree. And we can rediscover our heroes as well. You know, George Orwell, what a hero. Um, yeah, we, we quote him all the time. But uh, you found something there. I, I didn't I didn't know that quote. I think it's very powerful. Um, and I think it makes the point perfectly. So thank you for that, Ben. Well, thanks very much for listening. And uh I was about to say we'll see you next time I said that before we'll still not see you next time you will hear us next time and if you have any questions any thoughts comments um, anything you want us to talk about uh, please get in touch thanks very much <laughs>